Hello, welcome to Life Uninhibited with Kristen Messagey. That's me. If you're enjoying this podcast, please, please, please subscribe. And if you're really liking it, rate it. Maybe even give it a review. It's super helpful for other sixes to find what we are up to here. Okay, let's get into it. Hey, sixes, welcome back. This is episode four. Today, we're going to talk about some Enneagram theory. I'm also going to tell you some of the story of how I became a coach, kind of how we got here. I'm going to do my best to stay on track with what I have outlined here. This is extremely difficult for my brain. Maybe you can relate. I want to stay on track, but I also want to over explain everything that I'm saying all of the time. Ooh, which brings me to my first desire to get off track. <laughs> Why do we want to over-explain everything? I'm going to do a separate episode on that. I just decided. Okay. About six years ago, I was deep into Enneagram learning. I did not have a struggle landing on my type for whatever reason. I took a test. It said I was a six. I went to the Enneagram Institute and read all about it. And it had all that, you know, cringy truth. And this is, I think part of the reason I didn't have any struggle was this was before I even knew there was an online Enneagram community whatsoever. I was not in Facebook groups or seeing any memes. I had no awareness of like other people's thoughts about sixes or any other number. None of that was in my brain. So it was just a very kind of clean experience. I was like, oh, Yep, that's me. And I didn't relate so much to the fear and security pieces, but what I did relate to so just in my being was this part about sixes being complicated and dualistic in almost every way. That landed so like shockingly accurate in that we are opposites to ourselves so frequently. Yeah, I, I didn't know that was, you know, <laughs> think for other people. I don't even know if I could have explained it for myself, but you know how it is when you read something and it's just, there your insides. Anyway, no part of my Enneagram journey other than your basic sixy questioning of, oh, wait, am I this? Am I that? I, I pretty much always knew I was a six from the beginning. And so I was studying the Enneagram, going to workshops, like just getting all up in it. And at that same time, I was dealing with some realities of my life, which was that I needed to start figuring out what I was going to do for work. I stayed home with my kids for the first years of their life. And my husband and I had agreed that when the kids went to school, I would go back to work and I was concerned and had lots of jobs, but I didn't have a career path that I wanted. I didn't love or even like anything I had done to date. And I did not want to just go back to work. I wanted, well, I wanted a lot of things. I wanted flexibility. I wanted freedom, but I also wanted to, you know, make money. I needed to make money. And I did have a job at that point. I was working at the church I was attending. It was part-time, 
not great pay. You know, that wasn't going to get us what we needed for the family. I also want to say, side note about that, because I don't attend church anymore. And the time that I spent at that church because of the relationships that I had there and the position that I had on staff was so formative to this next season of life for me. And I'm so thankful and grateful for that time in my life. I think ooh, that's there's a whole bunch of invitations there for me to get off track in my brain. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> not going to do it. Anyway, I was doing all this Enneagram learning. I was working part-time at the church. And I had known about life coaching, but I was scared of life coaching because I knew I was going to have to be an entrepreneur. I was going to have to build a life coaching business. And that was truly did not seem possible. I did not have any doubt about my ability to coach. I knew that I could learn skills and that I would be good at it. I always said in my mind, if only I could figure out a way to monetize people skills. <laughs> it's the only thing I'm good at is people. So I I was not afraid of those of that piece of it, but the business piece was absolutely terrifying for what I'm sure are obvious reasons. I know some sixes are entrepreneurs and it's a really good fit for them and comes really naturally to them. That was not my story. So anyway, that part's kind of separate. Okay. So I'm going to come back around. You've got doing all this Enneagram learning. I've got my part-time job at the church. I've got to figure out what I'm doing next. Life coaching is the only thing. It just keeps drawing my attention, just keeps pulling me there. And uh, I wanted to do it. I wanted to do it, but I, of course, was really scared. So one day at church, we were sitting there having a staff meeting. And like any good six, I was irritated and questioning, you know, what are we even doing here? Are we really seeing any life change like, what are we, you know, what are we doing? What's the point of this? <laughs> my pastor was like, yeah, Kristen, you know, the pace of ministry just really doesn't seem to fit you. He said, you know, you, you're just more of a coach. And I was like, Oop! because I had not been pursuing coaching out loud. This was a secret thing that I was doing. I had not told anybody except my husband. And so when my pastor said that to me, Kristen, you're more of a coach. I was like, what is going on? Is he spying on me? I mean, of course, how sexy, right? <laughs> is he looking at my internet search history? No, he just saw that in me, that that's who I was. And it's true. It's just who I am. But I still had to figure out how in the world I was going to get clients. How was I going to do that? I had no idea. And how I went about those next steps in retrospect is just so sexy. So I decided that if I was going to attempt to make this decision, I needed to hire a coach. Seemed reasonable. 
to actually get some life coaching. So I, I can't remember the exact order, but basically I had met someone peripherally. So we were Facebook friends. And then I saw online one day, she was holding up this, I'm a life coach. She had just gotten certified. And I took her to lunch and picked her brain. She was also a six. We're both like six wing seven. Oh my gosh. So we have all this just stuff in common. Of course, we hit it off. And I asked her all about becoming a life coach, hired her then to help me make this decision, which basically was just someone, I just needed permission. I needed permission and I needed possibility. And so that little bit of time is where I got that. And then I found a school that was going to teach me how to build a business. So got all the Enneagram learning going on. Finally admit that I'm looking for coaching schools. I did not want to be certified as an Enneagram coach because I did not trust (laughs) the system enough to really give me what I wanted and needed. Because in all of my Enneagram learning, I kept feeling left in terms of how do you actually apply these things? How do I, as a six, learn to actually trust myself? How do I actually learn to connect to this inner knowing that I supposedly have? Oh, that was the other piece when I read it. It was like sixes are the most disconnected from their inner knowing. I just knew that was true, which is such a weird paradoxical thing to say. (laughs) That like in my knowing, I knew that I was disconnected from my knowing more than other people. So funny. So yeah, I had no desire to for my initial certification to be Enneagram. None. It never even crossed my mind because the coaching that I discovered that I used to transform so many areas of my life was not Enneagram coaching at all. It's life coaching and a very specific type of life coaching. Was very cognitive based, very much dealing with the mind, thoughts, thinking. And what I had learned over here in Enneagram world was this teaching about the centers. So we have three centers, and we do or don't do things in these centers. So our head centers thinking, heart center feeling, gut center doing. All Enneagram numbers have a dominant center and a repressed center. Another way this teaching is taught is called the scrambling of the centers. Because because we all have a repressed center, we're kind of stuck in the loop of the other two centers until we learn to really connect and access that repressed center. So for sixes, we are thinking dominant. Okay, that's not a surprise to anyone here. We are the thinky thinkers. When anything happens, our first, you could say, filter for that stimulus is thought. Thought appears. (laughs) So much thought appears. And we are thinking repressed. How can this be? Being thinking repressed means that we get stuck in these loops 
of feeling feelings and then doing in reaction to the feeling. Feeling and doing, feeling and doing, doing and feeling, doing and feeling. The thinking at the top is just kind of spinning. It's not our best thinking. It's not thinking that comes online and balances the feeling and doing. That's what happens when we access this repressed center is suddenly we have access to thinking that is balanced and in support of the feeling and the doing, which not to get too in the weeds here, but it's not to say that just because we are repressed in one center, we necessarily have We're not necessarily in right relationship to the other centers either because a lot of this doing and these feeling doing loops, the doing can often just be more thinking. So a lot of times sixes will confuse thinking for doing, hence the scrambling effect of this phenomenon. And it happens for all numbers in different ways. But again, I'm I'm staying on track. I'm not going too deep there. I hope what I'm saying makes sense. So we are thinking dominant. We are also thinking repressed. We get stuck in cycles of feeling and doing, but but we're up in our heads spinning on all of this thinking. And when we can access that repressed center, a whole bunch of stuff falls in line. And how do we do that is a whole thing. Not going to go too far again in down any rabbit holes, but here we are. I'm over an Enneagram world learning this, and this makes all the sense in the world to me. I'm like, oh my goodness, yes, I can totally tell that my thinking is kind of all over the place and not necessarily serving me, which is language I was starting to get from my coaching school. This very neutral, like, is this thinking serving you? And I could see very clearly that most of the time the answer was No. So over here in the coaching school, I was starting to get all kinds of new tools specifically related to thinking. I'm learning that you can actually look at your thoughts and not just believe them. I'm learning how to slow my brain down and really examine my thinking and then learn to access new thinking. It was revelatory. I thought I had found the secret to the universe. I came out of school with all of the enthusiasm and fervor of like a newly appointed evangelical preacher. I know they're not appointed, whatever. I was going to help some sixes. I had decided to coach sixes even before I went to coaching school. I just had been engaging in the tools that I then went to learn how to apply. And I had already started to see so much sturdiness come on board in my life with the tools that I had used. So I was like, this is it. This is the answer for sixes. Obviously, all sixes are just like me. (laughs) First mistake. This is also going to be the story of all the things I didn't know when I started that I know now. So for me, this combination of things I was learning in the Enneagram and the tools that I was learning, it was freedom for me. It was so exciting. I truly felt that I had found the key to life. (laughs) 
And I started coaching. A couple of things I did not know at the time. I didn't know some of the deeper reasons all of this was so accessible to me. I didn't know some of my deeper beliefs that really supported this awakening for me, as well as some Enneagram pieces. The biggest thing I didn't know, the biggest lack of awareness I had is I really assumed that this would be a similar joyous brain explosion for all sixes who I was getting ready to coach. We just, we don't know what we don't know. We don't know what assumptions we're making. We just don't know some things. And this is always true. And sixes, this is actually okay. This is life. We can't know all the things. We aren't supposed to know all the things. There's no way we actually can know all the things. And we certainly can't know them before we do things. Okay, so I come out of school. So I have all of these tools. I have all of this Enneagram knowledge. And I personally am applying this all and really starting to see dramatic changes in my life quite quickly as well. I'm on this journey to start a business. It was, there was just a lot going on for me at that time. Um, Of course, not to mention husband, two small kids, et cetera, et cetera. But it was an exciting time. I was more excited and drawn by what I was creating than taken over by the fear. And this is one, this is a little rabbit hole I'm going to go down. When we know what we are doing and why we are doing it, it is one of, it's a required piece to navigate some of the fear that we deal with. Um, incidentally, when I decided I was going to coach exclusively sixes, everyone I told was like, "Mm, I don't think it's a very good idea. I love to tell that part of the story because it was such a good idea. (laughs) And gosh, what if I had listened to them? And I didn't, it's interesting because when I think about why I kept that idea even though people were telling me it was not a good idea, it wasn't the counterphobic, like, oh, I'm going to prove I'm not afraid of this. It, it was a different energy. It was this, no, I know that's a good idea. Like, I just, I just know it's a good idea. So when you do know a thing, but it's not that like fighty, like against energy, where do you feel it? And what's it like to feel that knowing? For me, when I know something, it's very calm. It's very grounded. It's very much in my body. And there's not a lot of energy around it or even need to explain it. It's just, this is, this is something I know. Okay. So I start coaching sixes. I very quickly realize that all of this knowledge and tools that I had, it was not going the same for my clients as it had for me. And this is just part of being new at anything is there's just a process of getting the art of 
what you're doing. And something like coaching is extremely artful. And there's a huge difference between teaching and coaching. Teaching is incredibly easy in comparison. Teaching is I get to say things that I know. Maybe I learned it in a class. Maybe I learned it in a book. Maybe whatever. I know things. I'm telling you things. That is easy. Coaching is a whole different deal. Coaching is entering into vulnerability for the coach and the client. It's entering into curiosity and relationship. It's really not about getting somewhere or any particular outcome. It's a much more open, uncertain, vulnerable place. So in the beginning, you do a lot more teaching than coaching, (laughs) unless you know better, which I didn't. So I was doing all this great teaching about thinking and your thoughts and, you know, being thinking dominant and thinking repressed. And it was not landing in the same, oh, this is so incredible way that it did for me. And I was onto that and really trying to figure out what was going on. One of the things I did not know, and this is probably something to do with counterphobia, you know, kind of going against the fear. So for me, I am more afraid of something about me. I'm more afraid to not know something about me. I'm like, let me see what's in there. Please show me to myself because I can't do anything about that if I can't see it. That does not translate for all sixes. So for some sixes, it's more scary to come across something about themselves that they didn't know was there. That then they make mean they're somehow doing something wrong, compromising their own security, which is instantly disorienting. And I I didn't know that. I assumed that, especially because, you know, we're all taking in the same information, right? People are in the Enneagram world and they want coaching. We're all sort of doing this the same way. No, I was very, very wrong about that. And I want to highlight this just for you to kind of ask yourself, because they're both fear. They're both fear. Are you more afraid of not knowing something about you? Or are you more afraid of actually uncovering something about you that does not match up with your self-identity? And yes, I'm sure there's a spectrum in there in between. Maybe in certain areas, I want to see myself more clearly. Maybe over here, I don't. But I think that's a really interesting thing to consider. For me, when things are revealed to me that I didn't know about me, it feels like safety. It feels soothing. So for me, things like shadow work, which there's an element of that in all personal development, is actually fun. I mean, okay, fun might be a stretch, but it's extremely tolerable because in my mind, I'm reading it as, well, that's something that now I can work on. I can change that. I can can deal with that. There's a real sense of being able to manage myself. So I do want to say, because that can sound 
good and useful and it is in a lot of ways, but there's also, there can be so much blindness in that stance and there can be a real blindness to my own personal vulnerability, my own softness, you know, the parts of me that are quite tender, my own personal needs in relationships. And ugh, I, I don't even like talking about it. Like it feels so icky to have needs, but of course I do. There can just be so many blind spots in this the stance of I've got it, you know, I'm tough. It It's just, as Valerie said way back in episode one, that just cut to my core. She was saying like, yeah, it's all this energy, but it's not that deep. That line has run through my head so many times because it's not that deep. Right under that armor is all of this tender, soft, scared stuff. Okay. So I just want to make sure that I say that because as much as there's quite a bit of my identity that still wants to be tough and strong more and more and more as I integrate, get healthier, whatever, I'm not willing to use that uh, coping mechanism, but it's a journey and I'm still sad about it. Okay. So then on the other end, you've got sixes who are wanting to see themselves, wanting to understand themselves, but then every time they see something that they don't like, it immediately goes to blame and shame. The blamey shamies, one of my clients, and I like to say it. So here comes an awareness and it's just... Deep down into the blamey shamies. I'm so terrible. I shouldn't be like that. You cannot simultaneously take accountability for yourself and be in blame and shame. Those are not compatible states. So, on the one hand, the like, bring it on. I've got this. (laughs) I can handle it. Is a little, meh, it's a little questionable. On the other hand, oh my gosh, that's me. I'm such a terrible person. Those are equally, those are, those are not sturdy, useful positions for actually enacting any kind of change in our lives. And keep in mind, both of those extremes that I just described, those whole thought stories and thought processes, those are reactive, right? That is a function of the thinking dominance plus thinking repressed. When we pull out our productive thinking in terms of awareness, it's going to sound very different. It's going to feel very different. It's not going to feel big and puffed up. It's not going to feel shrinky and blamey and shamey. This comes, I have to say, my favorite Brene Brown quote is, don't puff up, don't shrink, just stand your sacred ground. Productive thinking sounds and feels a lot like standing on sacred ground. 
I really didn't know enough about the blamey shamies. I didn't know that was going to be so much of what I was coming up against in coaching. This is one of the problems with the Enneagram is we tend to take groups of numbers and give them certain characteristics. So shame, as we know, is a heart triad emotion. It's the main emotion associated with the heart triad, just like fear is the main emotion associated with the head triad. How all humans deal with shame to some degree and sixes and shame is a whole thing. So much of my work is around unshaming, actually helping sixes learn to stand up tall, not too tall, but stand up with their head up and stop blaming themselves for things and shaming the crap out of themselves. Huge, huge, huge part of my work. So here's another thing. This is going to be my last point for today. One of the things that I learned that I actually just got this language for quite recently, what I now know I was looking at is if we don't have a sense of connection to another center, heart, gut, feeling, or doing, we are not going to stop listening to the thinking, even if the thinking is all kinds of spinny, lots of doubt, really mean, even if we can see that that thinking is not great, if we don't have another place to land, we are not going to let go of that thinking because then we're just going to be lost, floating. We're going to be in a space of disorientation and a sixy system is not going to do that because disorientation, right? Without, it's this whole thing about not having secure orientation. I just like to straight up call it what it is, which is disorientation. A 60 system is not going to do that. Why would it? That, that's literally like plummeting into what feels like death. We have to build scaffolding around that. We have to be supported in this process. I didn't know that I was working with a pretty strong connection to my gut. Looking back, I'm like, oh, okay, it makes more sense why I was able to be really willing to let my thinking kind of start to be separate from me. I had that willingness because I was quite grounded in my gut. So what I've learned to do is really help sixes find where is your other strongest center? How can you lean on that? really understand what it feels like to be in your heart or your gut so that as you start to look at the thinking more clearly, let it become less dominant, that actually becomes possible. And then when we are more connected to heart, gut, both ideally, then we're able to start accessing productive thinking and we start to get the whole the whole thing in a up and down line. I wish you could see what I was doing. But the piece that I didn't understand was how a 6 system will not let itself go into disorientation. Why would it? That doesn't make any sense. Now, ultimately, there is something about that that does have to happen. But again, with scaffolding, with support, 
you don't have to do it alone. And it's less sort of, it's a little less terrifying. There are ways to walk ourselves there. Okay, I think that's it for today. You got a little bit of how I became a coach, a little bit of theory around the centers, and I hope some new ways to think about how you're orienting to yourself, things about you that you don't like, potential things about you you may not like, and also your relationship to each of the centers, thinking, feeling, and doing. We will talk more about this. If you have specific questions, send them to me. It makes it easier for me to kind of frame what we're talking about. Because of course, I don't want to feel like I'm just out here doing this alone. I have an interview for you next week that's super fun. Yeah, we're just going to keep doing this thing. Okay, talk to you all soon. If you are listening and you're starting to wonder what it would look like to work with me in a coaching context, you don't have to leave yourself in the questions. You can get them answered. I'm going to put a link to my group coaching program in the show notes, Zero to 60. It's an online program with weekly group coaching, and it's such an incredible community of sixes. I also do a little bit of one-on-one work. You're welcome to reach out, schedule a consultation, and we can just talk through what might be a fit for you. Okay. I will talk to you next week.